Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KDUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point, featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. Welcome in to Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. It is Wednesday. It is October 18th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today, as we typically do. Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Reaction to the Diamondbacks' loss to the Phillies yesterday. Preview of the ALCS continuing today. More from around the world of the NFL, including Arizona Cardinals coordinators meeting the media yesterday. Some takeaways from them. Your phone calls, 1030 and 1115. The number, 602-260-1060. If you'd like to chime in, that's 1030 and 1115. Let's get things started here with today's poll questions. And we'll start with the KDOS1060.com poll question. Will the Diamondbacks be swept by the Phillies? They're down 0-2, coming home to Chase Field tomorrow afternoon. No leads the way here at 63% of the vote. Yes, trailing at 37%. Obviously, it's been total domination, really, by the Phillies the first two games of this series in Philadelphia. Uh, also, I'm a little puzzled about, uh, you know, well, I'll explain here as quickly as possible, which, you know, sometimes I'm not as quick as possible. Uh, but uh, the Diamondbacks shut out for the first time in their postseason history. That's either 47 or 48 games I heard both last night and saw it written both ways and print today or you know, on the internet or however we call print these days. So it's uh, one of those two. And you know, if it were like June, then I'd have time to go back and figure that out myself. But it's the uh, first time they've ever been shot in a postseason game was last night. We will answer that question in its entirety around 11.30. Tossing this on over to Twitter, at KDUS AM 1060, Bob had a conversation with Dylan Callahan Crowley from the Happy Valley Insider talking all things Penn State. It's a huge top 10 matchup. It's a huge matchup for both James Franklin and Ryan Day. Huge matchup for Ohio State and Penn State. So who wins Saturday in Columbus and the masses? Undecided right now in a 50-50 split. I actually think this is a much bigger deal for James Franklin, who's had a horrendous history against uh, top 10 teams. In fact, he's never beaten a top five team on the road. He's beaten a couple in Happy Valley, but never on the road. And it's been back in the Joe Paterno days that the last time Penn State actually won a road game against a top five opponent. Uh, Yeah, and to that point, uh, James Franklin is one of eight against Ohio State. So that's uh, looking for improvement if you're a Nittany Lion fan. We'll officially answer that question around 1130 today. Before we get into the Diamondbacks, seeing this from Kyler Murray's Twitter page or X page or whatever we're supposed to be calling it now, uh, quote, practicing today. So... If he is, in fact, on the practice field, then that would begin the 21-day window of him to be put on the active roster for the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, I've been on record for many months, uh, really since January, 
think the best thing that could actually happen to the 2023 Cardinals is that he plays. He plays at a high enough level that a team will be interested in trading for him after this season. Uh, there were some questions to offensive coordinator Drew Petting talking about the balance between, you know, getting Kyler Murray some much needed reps with the team, uh, getting him up to speed, in addition to making sure that Josh Dobbs is getting reps if he's still going to be the starter while Kyler Murray is working his way back to be on the active roster. So we'll get into some of those takeaways from Petting a little bit later on in the program. We'll shift our attention here, though, to the game from last night, the Diamondbacks falling to the Phillies 10 nothing. The Phillies once again took advantage of a first inning home run, jumping out to a lead with a Trey Turner solo shot. Then it was Kyle Schwarber's turn in the third. Merrill Kelly seemed to settle in with a 1-2-3 fourth, a 1-2-3 fifth, but then it was Schwarber again who got him in the sixth. From that point forth, the the wheels really came off for the team. It was still in the sixth inning with two outs. Joe Mantiply comes in, brought in for a lefty-on-lefty situation, didn't record the out, and uh, then he was stuck facing some righties who brought in more runs. Yeah, I thought it was a big mistake by Lavello. I don't think he's had that many of them, quite frankly, and over the course of the last several years since he's been the manager. But I didn't understand what was going on in the sixth inning. Uh, Kelly was, as you mentioned, cruising along. Uh, and, you know, Schwarber hit a home run. These things happen. Uh, he hits a lot of home runs, especially when you throw fastballs. And that was actually a changeup that he hit uh, for the second home run. Uh, but uh, the fact that, you know, he struck out Harper and that boom to pop up. And just because, you know, left-handed hitting Brandon Stott, who's okay, but, I mean, he's not that great a hitter. Uh, you bring in Mantiply, who's actually spent some time in the minor leagues this season because he wasn't very good here. Uh, the fact that you brought him in at that point uh, and removed Kelly after he got the last two guys out, I mean, I just don't understand why that happened. And I thought that at the time. I'm not doing an after-the-fact thing here. Uh, it took to, Basically, uh, he didn't retire Mantiply the first four hitters he faced, and by the time that was over, it was 6 nothing end of game. And uh, then things got really kind of out of hand. The Diamondbacks played some really sloppy defense, which they almost never do. And uh, they just kind of looked like a, a Sandlot team that uh, was undisciplined, which is completely the opposite of what we've seen during the majority of the season. Yeah, I think that that was a little disturbing for me that it kind of showcased maybe the first time that we've seen this team be a little bit rattled because of that mental error you talked about in the seventh with the pop-up falling between Longorio Moreno and the pitcher Ryan Nelson that should have been Longorio's ball in that situation and then later uh, it seemed as though Guriel kind of forgot how many outs there were so just kind of the loss of focus or shell-shocked or whatever you could possibly come up with in a term where you're in that situation situation and in that moment uh and it ended up resulting in a 10 nothing loss yeah and we've seen Guriel has had a lot of good moments this year but we've seen some not great defense but he's better than Tommy Pham in the outfield so you know somebody's got to play left field because McCarthy remember he got hurt uh I never exactly heard when he got hurt he got hurt sometime between the end of the regular season and the first uh he was scratched right before the Milwaukee playoff series started. He was originally on the playoff roster, and uh, he was taken off at that point. 
And I'm not the biggest McCarthy fan, but he's a really good left fielder. I don't think he's going to be out there in that situation yesterday, but that would uh, certainly be a late-inning guy for them for sure in the outfield if they have a lead, which they've had every game until this series. Also, I think one thing that you know, I think a lot of people probably tuned out after you know the, 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 the Mantiply fiasco and they were behind, and part of that, you know, Ryan Nelson came in uh, last night, and he retired two of the seven hitters he faced. He gave up four runs, four hits, walked one, zero strikeouts, 29 pitches for you get two outs, and he was supposedly in the running to start game four. I'm guessing he's no longer in the running to start game four. Yeah. Uh, I do want to highlight here, Merrill Kelly, what ended up his line was five and two-thirds, three hits, four runs, three walks, six strikeouts, and three home runs. Conversely, his counterpart, Aaron Nola, for the Phillies was absolutely superb. You did have Corbin Carroll reaching on an error to start the game. Were you surprised that he didn't try to run yet again, reaching, reaching first in the first inning? I was. And the same thing I talked about yesterday. Um, yeah, he started uh, game one with a single and never got off of first base. He reaches on the air from Turner, who's, by the way, having a really bad defensive postseason, but the Phillies never lose, so nobody talks about that. But he's had four errors this postseason. It could have been a couple of more, uh, but the official score, I think, has been generous and ruled hits on those plays. Uh, and uh, Brandon Stott, the aforementioned Brandon Stott, is actually a better shortstop than Turner but they're paying Turner $10 billion, so he's their starting shortstop. But anyway, a little on the Philly side of things. Uh, but I was very surprised that Carroll did not uh, you know, steal second base there. Also, I thought uh, you know, really Kelly's line was a little misleading because he gave up one of those runs after he left the game uh, when obviously Mantiply couldn't get the outs that were required for you know, them to finish the inning. Yeah, Aaron Nola, six innings, three hits, seven strikeouts on 82 pitches for him. And we knew what the combination of Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola could do, but they went out there and they did do it. They combined to give up just six hits in the first two games. And certainly here, the Diamondbacks' bats are going to have to come alive in game three. I think playing from behind has changed a lot for the team at the plate in addition to, as I just mentioned, how good those two starters are. Well, I, I'm just going to kind of repeat a couple of things that I briefly mentioned in the first hour during the sports zone. Yeah, I think uh, we have a Philly staff that is power pitchers. Uh, you have a Diamondback staff, which is largely finesse pitchers, and power pitchers can get away with mistakes. Finesse pitchers cannot get away with mistakes. Also, the Diamondbacks offense, it really hasn't matter. Uh, who mattered what the Diamondbacks' starting pitching situation has been and the fact that they've fallen behind these games. Uh, they've had 65 plate appearances uh, in two games offensively. They've scored three runs. They have you know, a grand total of eight hits. They've had four hits in each game. They've walked once. They've had 23 strikeouts. They've only had four at-bats in two games with runners in scoring position, and they have zero hits. Uh, Brandon Fott, he is now expected to be the starter for the Diamondbacks on Thursday. And boy, what a pressure situation for him now to walk into with the team absolutely needing a win down 0-2. He needs to pitch well, keep the ball down. The problem is, is that any mistakes, these Philly hitters are so good that they will make you pay. I actually have a different viewpoint on this. I think he's in less pressured situation now because, you know, what's to lose at this point? I mean... 
you know, they, they, it was 1-1 uh, in this, uh, you know, heading into the, the next game in game three, I think there'd actually be more pressure on him to deliver. Now it's just kind of, you know, let's see how it goes, see how it works out. And, you know, he obviously has been much of the season a home run machine. He's actually had a couple of really impressive outings here. Uh, actually, he's had several impressive outings since, say, roughly September the 1st. Uh, so, excuse me, not September the 1st. Uh, yeah, September the 1st. I got my months mixed up here. We're in October, right? Let me we are. Chug. It is October uh, 18th. I have a desk calendar right in front of me. I should know what uh, what is going on, right? It says October 2023 right there. Okay, very <laughs> nice. Uh, anyway, so since roughly September the 1st, he's had some good outings. He's had a couple of really bad ones too, though, but... It doesn't seem to be the best of matchups with him with, uh, against a Phillies team home, a Phillies team that relies on and, and doesn't just rely on them. They've kind of feasted on home runs uh, during the season and the in the postseason. Unlike the Diamondbacks, who maybe it was a little fool's goal those first two series when they had all the home runs and scored almost almost all their runs on on homers. And but you know, the, the, other than the Corbin Carroll thing we talked about. I really don't think they've had much of a chance to exploit their, you know, their speed and go, you know, going from first to third and stealing second or whatever. It, you know, it's hard to steal first base, as they said. Somebody wrote a book about that once. I think uh, I forgot what the exact title was, but that was like 100 years ago. But, of course, I was around 100 years ago, so I probably read that book, whoever wrote it. Uh, but uh, anyway, it's just uh, – it's been a terrible matchup so far, and quite frankly, I would be really surprised if the Diamondbacks ever get back into this series. When uh, we were talking about this series to get started, and I mentioned apropos of nothing was the numbers of how successful the Diamondbacks have been stealing bases uh, this season, stealing second in particular, 86% of the time. Uh, JT Riomuto just throwing out guys 19% of the time. Uh, and then you appropriately mentioned that you have to have runners on base in order to steal bases. That's true. Also, you know, Nola especially has been good about holding runners on base in the second part of the season. They did a really in the pregame, which I usually don't watch these pregames, but there wasn't anything else going on yesterday between like 4.30 and 5. <laughs> so they did a little video thing of him and uh, his slide step move and get the ball home plate quicker in the last you know, few weeks of the season as opposed to early in the season. And a lot of those numbers that are negative towards you know, Rio Muto, which aren't his fault, and uh, even Nola, and uh, I'm not sure if it's the same with Wheeler, but they, they, they definitely showed this yesterday. A lot of those numbers that were negative were really early in the season, and those improved tremendously in the few, last few weeks of the season. Uh, the game is an afternoon game, so keep this in mind. Thursday, 2.07 p.m. on TBS. Uh, for the Phillies, it's likely going to be Ranger Suarez, uh, and he's pitched pretty well here of late. He's been very good. I mean, he got pulled early in that first game against Atlanta because for whatever whatever reason, I never quite got a very good explanation out of this. I, maybe I just missed it. That's entirely possible because last week there were all kinds of playoff games going on almost around the clock still it seemed like which was fine but uh yeah he got he Suarez got pulled out of that first game the second time that uh you know Zuna was going to be in the lineup they they determined before the game as an organization that no matter what had happened uh the second time that he came up that uh you know Suarez was going to be out of the game 
and he was cruising at that point. Uh, you know, obviously it didn't come back to hurt them because they ended up winning the game anyway. But that was, I think, the strangest pitching decision, quite frankly, of the postseason so far of any team. We'll get into the ALCS. Game three is tonight, so we'll touch on that on the other side of the break as the Rangers are up 2-0 in that series. And it is official. The Arizona Cardinals have announced that they have designated two players to return here. You have designated Buda Baker to return from the IR, as well as quarterback Kyler Murray to return from the pup list. So we'll continue to monitor that, uh, see what Jonathan Gannon has to say today about their status in the 21-day window they have to be back. I, and- I predict he says. I predict he says nothing about it. Other than just the standard stuff. Well, that's good. He's consistent, but he really has developed. He's, he's revealed zero information about injuries about anybody, to my recollection here this year. We'll also take your phone calls 10:30 and 11:15 today. The number is 602-260-1060. Game three of the ALCS. We'll talk about it on the other side of the break. Interact with Bob Kemp's poll question on KDUS1060.com. That's KDUS1060.com. And while you're there, check out Bob Kemp's bottom line at KDUS1060.com. KDUS AM 1060. It's Wednesday. It's October 18th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you. Up until noon today, as we typically do, Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. All sorts of announcements going on here locally. The Phoenix Suns have announced that they are set to induct Sean Marion into the Suns Ring of Honor (laughs) December 15th. That is set to take place with the Suns hosting the Knicks on that day. There will be a special postgame ceremony honoring Marion taking place at center court with Suns legends, former yeah. teammates, and family. But awesome stuff. I think when we we knew that Sean Marion and Amari, Amari Stoudemire were going to be going into the Ring of Honor, we certainly talked about it uh, as it was much um, uh, certainly much deserved, and now we have a date for Marion. Yeah, um, I was around the team a lot in those days, and uh, yeah, good dude. Uh, and actually, before he ever played here, I knew a little bit about him because he grew up uh, in the Chicagoland area. I don't know if he grew up there, but he played like junior college ball there for at least one year. And I knew of him a little then. And then he went to UNLV, and I had several friends uh, in those days, I just, just a couple years after I left Las Vegas and moved to Chicago, uh, close to that program, and they thought very highly of him as a person. And, uh, and you know, he's obviously he was an incredible athlete and so forth. So very cool. And, uh, you know, he's, uh, he, you know, I used to run into him occasionally. We would live pretty close to each other and when I lived around Scottsdale and Shea. And uh, so I used to see him at restaurants once in a while and so forth, but really nice guy. So that is, once again, Friday, December 15th for Sean Marion's induction into the Ring of Honor. Um, Transitioning back to Major League Baseball and the playoffs that are underway, it's Game 3 tonight in the ALCS. 
5.03 p.m. start on FS1. The Astros on the road facing the Rangers. The Rangers have a 2-0 series lead. So it's been much discussed how good the Astros have been on the road versus how bad they have been at home. In this postseason, the Astros are 1-3 at home, 2-0 on the road. In the regular season, the Astros are 39-42 at home and 51-30 on the road. Uh, So we'll see if that continues Mm -hmm. for the Astros tonight with Christian Javier on the mound and Max Scherzer, who is making his postseason debut. Hopefully it does, because I'm on the Astros tonight. And this is a lot because, uh, you know, if Scherzer goes out and throws a no-hitter, then I lose. That's the way it goes. Uh, Most likely, even in the best-case scenario, is not going to pitch more than three or four innings. Uh, So we'll see how that goes. Uh, that means that the Rangers bullpen, which has kind of gotten lost in, lost in the shuffle, which was bad really pretty much all season long, and they made all kinds of changes to try to improve it. Uh, but it's been really good here for the last couple of weeks. Certainly in the postseason, it's been unbelievable. But uh, those guys have to pitch five innings, and I'm guessing John Gray uh, would be the first guy out of the bullpen. And he hasn't pitched for a while either because he also ended the season on the injured list. I would agree. The be- I would assume, I should say, that the best case scenario for Texas is Scherzer can pitch three or four innings, and then Gray piggybacks that for a couple of three innings from him, and then they try to just piece it together like they have successfully with like three guys with you know, you know spores and and also uh, you know obviously uh, you know, Chapman and then. Uh, you know they got uh, you know I would and Leclerc. I always I always forget Leclerc's name, which I shouldn't because I had him on a fantasy team one year and he helped me win. Uh, but those three guys have kind of been the seven, eight, and nine guys here of late. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, needless to say, <laughs> I don't know if they want anybody facing. Uh, they got to figure out how to get you know, Jordan Alvarez out at some point. Other than Jeff Montgomery, who struck him out the first three times of the of this playoff series. Uh, he's been a offensive machine, not just this year in the playoffs, but also last year in the playoffs. And he hits left-handers, so that doesn't even seem to matter. Yeah, you mentioned it there that I don't think any of us really know what to expect from Scherzer coming off of the injury here, uh, making his postseason debut. You have kind of factoring in how things have gone the last couple of postseasons for Scherzer. So with the kind of unknowns, uh, do you think it's a quick hook tonight for Scherzer if it, if it doesn't get off to a good start? If it doesn't get off to a good start, he'll be out of there really fast. But, yeah, I'm assuming that uh, – if they, if I think the best case scenario, I can't imagine how many pitches he's going to throw. He's like I said, September the 9th, I believe, is the last time he pitched. Uh, so it's going to be, uh, and he throws a lot of pitches, even when he's you know kind of in a, on you know regular rest and not on the coming off the injured list, etc. And he's a strikeout guy, and uh, you know has a high pitch count frequently. So I have no idea, you know, how they intend to monitor this and. Uh, Bruce Bochy's headed to the Hall of Fame if he ever actually retires and stays retired as a manager five years after whenever that happens. And uh, he hasn't lost a playoff series forever. Uh, and uh, so you know, he's, he's the guy to figure this out. And I'm guessing that he might even be tested a little bit trying to figure this out today. Uh, for Christian Javier here, what does he need to do uh, for the Astros? How many innings do you think that he needs to chew up and obviously uh, try to slow down some of the offense from the Rangers? 
Another guy that throws a lot of pitches, though, so I'm not about innings how he might throw, but you know, I would hope he could get. Uh, if you're, you know, I'm on the range, I'm on the uh, Astro side here, so I'm hoping I could get like 85, 90 pitches out of him, and that would be five or six innings. Uh, he did an incredible job dodging around uh, base runners and traffic uh, in the game against uh, the Twins, his last playoff appearance. Uh, he ended up get he didn't give up any runs in five innings in that game, but he he struck out nine and like walked like five guys. He only gave up one hit, uh, but that's a whole lot of pitches right there, and he only made it through five. Uh, so that worked out for them in that particular day. The Astros bullpen, on the other hand, if they have the lead, they're usually in pretty good shape. Abreu hasn't allowed a run forever. It's like thirty some appearances, literally. Not exaggerating, like 30-some appearances now that he has not allowed a run. And then, you know, Presley has been one of the more reliable closers in uh, the ninth inning for several years. And obviously, Presley, a lot of the uh, Astros, uh, maybe not a lot of these Astros, but the Astros certainly have a good playoff history. And Presley has closed a lot of key games for them the last few years. Have you seen this at all? The the rumors, speculation that Dusty Baker is frustrated with the front office regarding uh, their use of analytics. And, you know, <laughs> also along those lines, Dusty has been pretty noncommittal about whether or not he wants to return next season. This is an annual event, whether he's in Cincinnati, Washington, or now in Houston. Uh you know, the fact that they won last year in Houston, I guess it kind of vanished for a while. Uh, but, you know, Houston is, I think, uh, you know, one of the analytics uh, you know, pioneers, quite frankly. Uh, and, you know, they changed, you know, they obviously changed their general manager situation because of, you know, a lot of the issues that were going on with the Stein stealing and all that. Uh, obviously, A.J. Hinch is no longer the manager there now, and, you know, Dusty's in there, and uh, so we'll see. But uh, this makes me chuckle because, you know, it's not like uh, you could probably go back, you can Google it, I guess, and you could probably find stories from his last days in Cincinnati before he left there that there were issues between him and the front office. I don't know if they were necessarily analytics-driven, I think the fact that, uh, you know, that he blew a playoff series and a, a chance for them to win the World Series when they lost to Bruce Bochy, by the way, and the Giants. They had a 2-0 lead going back to Cincinnati and didn't win any more games that series. Uh, that game, ALCS, Game 3 tonight. It is uh, 5.03 p.m. on FS1. Your phone calls, if you'd like to chime in, 602-260-1060. We have the Diamondbacks and the Phillies. The Phillies up 2-0 in the series with it returning to Chase Field on Thursday. You have the Arizona Cardinals announcing they have designated Buda Baker to return from IR. Kyler Murray designated off of the pup list. Both have 21-day windows now to be put on to the uh 53-man roster. So that is some new news here for the Arizona Cardinals. 602-260-1060 if you'd like to chime in. We'll also get into more from around the NFL on the other side of the break. It is the Extra Point right here on KDUS AM 1060. Check out KDUS AM 1060 on 100.7 KSLX HD2. That's right, HD Radio on 100.7 channel number two. 
38 right here on KDOS AM 1060. It is the extra point. Follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Make sure you're downloading that KDOS 1060 app. Register and follow along with the listener rewards that are available to you. Currently a $100 gift certificate up for grabs courtesy of Superbook Sports. NFL news. We'll get to it here momentarily, but as promised, it's phone call time. 602-260-1060 is the number. Let's pop on out to the KDOS hotline. Monroe in Glendale. Monroe, how are you today? I'm good. How are you guys? We're doing fantastic. Well, I'm doing fantastic. Bob, how are you? Outstanding. Okay. <laughs> outstanding that Bob is outstanding. Um, yeah. the, book you, the book you refer to, How to Seal First, written about 100 years ago. I'm betting you that uh, Kevin McCabe knows the author and was probably there. <laughs> Might have been a co-author. <laughs> Might have been the co-author. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't really understand the value of winning on the road when you can't win at home. It just it just twists me in all kinds of knots. At some point, you have to be able to win a, a, a home game. And, you know... They are who we think they are. They're a team that don't win at home. And I just don't know how we can expect that to be different. You're talking about the Astros here? Yes, the Astros. Yeah, well, um, I think we've talked about this as recently as Monday with Bob Nightingale from USA Today. You know, the Astros were complaining all year. A lot of the guys that have been there for many years, uh, at the batter's eye, uh, in center field was a big reason for their offensive uh, you know, deficiencies. And the, the numbers are just, you can't, you, know, you had 81 games. And the numbers are unbelievably different than the 81 games at home as opposed to the 81 games on the road. And they've been unbelievably good on the road and unbelievably bad at home. And some of the hitters, uh, several weeks before the end of the regular season, were complaining about the batter's eye. They changed it a little bit. Uh, and then that hasn't made any difference once the postseason started. <laughs> but uh, yeah. for whatever reason, they're you know, they're unbelievable on the road. And uh, I will say, you know, it's a, not exactly a hitter's ballpark in Arlington. Uh, but if you can you know, basically pull the ball down, the, especially the right field line, you can take advantage there. And Scherzer's given up uh, in his heyday. He, yeah, he's kind of not, not to the uh, like Kurt Schilling extent where he gave up like about a billion home runs, but they're almost all were solo homers. But Scherzer's given up home runs, especially more, I think, the last two or three years of his career. And uh, so I think there's lots of reasons to be on the Astros today. And the fact that you get a plus price, that's a good thing too. So I'm on, on the Astros today. And I just think that I don't think they're going to get swept. I think they're too good to to be swept in any series. But uh, maybe I'll you know have a different opinion. I'll be the uh, the first to admit, and probably uh, somebody might get uh, on the uh, and you know, call in and be able to criticize him before I can admit it. Uh, but you know, I think I'm on the Astros today, and uh, rather enthusiastically. So now. If I understand correctly, it's uh, two, two, and one, one, one is the way the series goes. This is two, three, two. Two, three, two. Also, there's three games in Texas, so theoretically the Rangers could end it at home. Although, that is true. Have to, yeah, I haven't ruled for the Rangers since 
2008 Ron Washington, wow. Josh Hamilton days. Wow. Uh, okay. Yeah. My only consolation is that a Texas team will end up in the World Series. That's not well, the they were the, they were they were in the World Series since then. You didn't root for them then. Uh, it was just too heartbreaking, Bob. It just was too. Okay. I'm not. I'm not hardcore. I'm the okay. The baseball fan that's emotional that knows nothing about the game but likes to tell people what to do. That's who I am. Oh, oh, okay. There you go. Well, they were one out from winning the World Series, and Nelson Cruz made a bad play in right field. They lost the last two games of the Cardinals. Yeah, that's that's what I'm talking about. I thought that was 2008. <laughs> yeah, so I yeah. think that was a 10 or 11, one of those years, right? Yeah. So. Anyway, it was heartbreaking to watch. Um, and they and they lost to the Giants the other year, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. God, it was okay. hard. So I hope that you are right. I'm believing you. I'm believing uh, Nightingale. I just don't know how it can be. Okay, well, I hope I'm right for I'm hope for I'm right for a lot of reasons because these you know this postseason has been just a massive disappointment to me being a baseball fan. There's been almost no drama. In fact, uh, there's been little drama in games, let alone in series uh, so far in the first two plus two plus rounds of the postseason. And usually, I think that this is the best postseason in professional sports, but certainly not this year. Yeah, I bailed out on the uh, Diamondbacks at 3-0. I thought, oh, this is over with. I'm done. Uh, <laughs> Good move. You didn't have to watch the last seven runs. No, I just saw the final score because it was on the TV when I walked in the room. So. Okay. All right, well, hopefully this weekend of football will be better than last weekend. Last weekend Ooh. I had a Dirty Harry marathon rather than watching college football. So hope I can not, do something not- better this weekend. Not a bad – well, it's hard to beat a Dirty Harry marathon. You're the most powerful handgun in the world, right? So yeah, there you go. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. All right, well, thanks for the time. Thanks, as always. 602-260-1060 is the number if you'd like to chime in. Uh, you know, I actually I actually went to a Dirty Harry marathon in Flagstaff when I was, you know, still working in Prescott. I was, I was there for a uh, – uh, Christmas basketball tournament. It was like the week before Christmas or whatever. And they had like a Dirty Harry marathon at one of the local theaters there. It was like uh, two or three, you know, Magnum Force. I can't remember all the numbers, the names of the movies. Uh, but uh, it was like two or three at that point. So that, w- that was fun. So that's exactly what I went to. I went to a Dirty Harry marathon because uh, Prescott High School was not playing that particular day or afternoon. And I said, well, I know what I can do because I've, I don't know how I found out about that, but I did, and that was fun. Well, I was a big Dirty Harry fan back in the day. I have no idea what you guys are talking about, so I'm looking it up here. Clint, uh, Clint, Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood, you heard of him? I have, yes. He was Dirty ha- uh, Harry Callahan. All so right, yeah. Man. So to your point, Magnum Force in 1973, The Enforcer yeah. in 1976, yeah. Sudden Impact in 1983, and then The Deadpool in 1988. Whew. Yeah, big time stuff there. All right. Well, All right. maybe in the off season we'll try to Lar- largest handgun in the world was his one of his monikers there. With we'll the, uh, the well, you know, anything years. Clint Eastwood does is usually fantastic. So yeah, yeah not bad. So those you know, that was uh, an afternoon, the December afternoon uh, in Flagstaff back in uh, the early '80s, sometime in there. So, so there you go. 
We'll put a pin in it for now, and we'll come back and we'll get into some NFL news on the other side of the break. Plenty of injury updates and concerns, plenty of status of players uh, on IR, off IR, windows opening, windows closing, all sorts of good stuff to get into. So we'll dive into the world of the NFL on the other side of the break. We'll also continue to take your phone calls in hour number two, 1115-602-260-1060. We'll do that at 11.15 today. Much more of The Extra Point is coming up on the other side of the break. Follow along, kdos1060.com, as well as with the KDOS 1060 app, powered by Superbook Sports. Wrapping up hour number one next. KDUS AM 1060 into your home with Alexa. Hi, I'm Alexa. Download the KDUS AM 1060 skill and enable. Then say, Alexa, open the KDUS AM 1060. This is where I start my day. Conversation there. I feel like I'm now a Clint Eastwood aficionado. Thanks to you, yeah, and Bob. Actually, this song is part of the story. I just talked about you know, going from San Francisco, driving to LA to San Diego. I remember this song. We were in San Diego, uh, my old school by Steely Dan. I remember leaving Mission Beach listening to this song. Actually, oh, that was wow. like in 1980, 1987. So there you go. Well, I did not. Mean to do that. That was coincidental. Uh, This is a tremendous song, by the way. (laughs) Wrapping up hour number one of the Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060 on this Wednesday, October 18th. Let's dive into some NFL news. Uh, So you have... Here today, it looks like a Browns quarterback Deshaun Watson not practicing once again, and yeah. he has, in fact, called his status up in the air uh, in terms of what's going on with him as he's dealing with that bruised rotator cuff. Obviously, their defense, very good. We saw you know, what they, they were able to do against the 49ers, limiting them. You know, I know there was some weather there kind of contributing to maybe a different game plan, but regardless, that defense is very good. If you can get... Uh, you know, a quarterback here, the Browns have an opportunity to make some noise. Especially in the AFC, which is not as good as we thought it was going to be uh, in this division specifically. So, yeah, no doubt in that defense uh, held Shanahan's offense in San Francisco to the fewest yards since Shanahan's been in San Francisco in that game on Sunday. And yeah, certainly the weather played a little bit of a role, but I think that their defensive front played more of a role. Uh, than the actual weather did. So for sure, Watson actually, you know, the week before, unfortunately, he was you know, late scratch and hasn't played since, uh, had a really good game. Uh, and it looked like things were kind of on the upswing and a thumbs up type of thing or whatever. Uh, but uh, obviously the quarterback thing has been kind of a joke since then. And they, it's amazing they got by with, you know, the situation they've had for two weeks and haven't been buried yet. Um. What I heard there is that we have to stop doing this. 
Well, we meaning me, I guess, because you weren't on this bandwagon last year when we were hyping up the AFC West and the expectations for that. And then that division completely fell flat. And then we were excited to see what was going to happen with the AFC North this year and the possibilities with this division. And I think those expectations uh, that we had, or at least I had, have uh, kind of fallen a little flat so far through six weeks. I think that's accurate. Um, you know, it, uh, there's a lot of these teams. You know, I don't. I don't know if they're. I haven't done like a, you know, player by player comparison, but it does seem like that there's some AFC teams that have had, I think, even more significant injuries, whether it be individuals or position cluster injuries. Uh, I think there's been more of that in the AFC than there has been in the NFC so far. The team that the Browns were playing, the 49ers, they also had some injuries here. According to reports that I saw from uh, last night and this morning, Christian McCaffrey avoided long-term injury, has a bit of a chance to play Monday night against the Vikings. Trent Williams with his right ankle injury also has a chance to play on Monday, as too does Debo Samuel, who's dealing with a shoulder injury here. I have one other question for you about that Sunday contest. Looking back on it, was it a bit surprising uh, Brock Purdy struggles in the inclement weather, considering the fact that he did play college football at Iowa State, and it's not always great weather there? Yeah, I think it had a lot more to do with the San Francisco defense, and the San Francisco offensive line wasn't good, and it's usually good and uh, was not good at all. They, I think, got overwhelmed uh, at times, many a lot of times in that game. So, you know, the Trent Williams thing is interesting because yeah, he left for at least one series of that game on Sunday. Uh, that was early in the game. He came back and finished the game, and now he's questionable for this week. Practice window opening up for Jalen Ramsey with the Dolphins. He uh, also has 21 days to return to the active roster. This is less than three months after meniscus surgery that he had uh, that certainly yeah. uh, damped down some of the excitement surrounding what this new look Dolphins defense could be. But practice window open for Jalen Ramsey. Yeah, and I, I forgot which insider was. One of them said we reported this morning that it doesn't look like he's close to playing. Uh, so that's uh, that's that. Uh, to me, uh, he's a good player. Obviously, we saw him for years when he was with the Rams and you know shut down corner. And usually, I think that's a mo- very overrated thing at times. But he clearly, if there's anything in the NFL or anybody that's a shut down corner now, it's him. But to me, the whole Dolphins thing is when they play a physical team, and they play one this week, by the way, uh, if they play a physical team, uh, do they get overwhelmed at the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball? I think the only time they've really played one of those teams so far this season is they got overwhelmed on both sides of the ball and got routed and run out the building or off the, off the field against Buffalo this year. Yeah, and I would even say that the Patriots were successful in slowing them down. It was just the Patriots had no real offense to put any sort of pressure on that, and then the defense let up that huge run by Mostert, and it was over after that. But in terms of the explosive plays that we've come to see from the Dolphins this season, they were significantly limited. True, and uh, yeah, if you can't block or stop the run, I don't care how many you know how how many you know, guys you have that are on the Olympic uh, four hundred meter relay team on your offense. 
They are averaging 6.5 yards per rush so far this season, but a lot of that had to do with some explosive plays from Achan. So he's still on IR. Uh, a couple of more games left for him at least. So I'm curious to just see how all of that comes together this weekend. Yeah, I believe they actually said yesterday that they liked, he's not expected to miss more than the four games, so that's a good thing for sure. Uh, and, uh, you know, obviously you know, they've got uh, – you know, they actually have several alternatives at running back. Uh, so that's all worked out for them rather well to this point. And uh, we'll see what happens. You know, Mostert is uh, – he's, he's like 31 or 32 years old. Remember he bounced around got cut a bunch of times, et cetera. Uh, but uh, he certainly – I think he leads the league in rushing touchdowns at this point, uh, if I'm not mistaken. I don't think – he certainly didn't get past last weekend, so – yeah, he's he's been really good and uh, got to keep him healthy because, unfortunately, that's been a problem in his career. So the team that the uh, Dolphins are playing, that's the Eagles. They've made a move bringing in Julio Jones, signing yeah. him to the practice I thought, squad. I thought this was a joke yesterday. I seriously thought uh, they're not bringing him in to retire him because he's never played there before. Uh, so I have no idea what's going on with this. Uh don't the Eagles have a lot of wide receivers already? I'm confused. So I did see that Quez Watkins was put on IR with a hamstring injury, but of course you have A.J. Brown, who's been tremendous. You have Devonta Smith. He had a couple of drops in that game against ba- the he's Jets. Been, he's been ba- Yeah, he's been bad. I mean, I, I he's on my you know fading fantasy team, and uh, he's a big reason I have a fading fantasy team because he's been not good at all. He's dropped a bunch of passes in more than just the game on Sunday. But Jones played 10 games last year with Tampa Bay, 24 catches, 299 yards, two touchdowns, 10 games in 2021 with the Titans, 31 catches, 434 yards, one touchdown. This is certainly not the Falcons uh, Julio Jones that you're getting on the Eagles team. So it'll be interesting to see how this all unfolds. Hour two is coming up on the other side of the break.